Forward Talks by Gumbu, a podcast about moving towards sustainability in the region and beyond. I'm Tatiana Antonelli. A quick thanks to our partners, Our Space. Our Space is the first co-working community designed to connect humans with nature. Find out more at ourspace.work. As he was about to begin his career, Jeremy Crane was obsessed with windsurfing and he wanted to make sure his job took him to windy places. So he started out working in wind energy in the US and Latin America. By 2009, this journey led him back home to Canada and to solar power. Jeremy moved to Dubai in 2012 when his company was acquired by a Dubai-based equity group and three years later, started Yellow Door as a spin-out from Adanium Energy Capital. In 2015, there was, uh, there was regulations in, uh, in Dubai and in Jordan. Those were the two countries in the, in the region that had regulations that enabled somebody to produce power uh, on their premise while connected to the grid. So that was our start, setting up offices here and in Jordan. What is really interesting about solar today is that as we've seen the price decrease over the last decade, um, and, and we've generally seen the price of energy increasing, um, and, and those points crossed a few years ago, so that people can get power from their own rooftop for less than they can from the grid. And, and that's, that's the really exciting thing that, that I see today. Um, and going forward, uh, that's only going to expand. We see... Uh, we certainly see other GCC countries that have um, what many would consider subsidized costs of power or certainly below market norms uh, throughout the world. And as those subsidies are, are removed and, and power is, becomes more normalized with global costs, um, the ability for people to, to save with solar is going to be expanded throughout the region. So how does that work as a business? Do I need a minimum surface? Do I need to have flat roofs? Or it doesn't really matter if I have a surface, then I can already contact you. Well, I, I guess I'd start by looking at, at the big picture. Um, so, so energy can be generally generated uh, on a centralized basis, large plants. We hear a lot from DWA about their, the fantastic initiatives they have to, to build uh, big solar plants out in the desert, Abu Dhabi and, and other places nearby. And that can be produced very, uh, very inexpensively and then transmitted by the distribution companies to, to all of us for all of our benefit. The, the other two segments of the market would be um, commercial or industrial consumers uh, or residential consumers. Our target is the commercial consumer, people who have large rooftops, as, as you said. The larger the rooftop, the more you can generate and the more feasible it is for you to, to do it on an, on an economic basis and on a long-term basis. So if somebody has a large rooftop and a large energy demand, we can install solar. Um, we will do it on our value proposition is, is to install it on our own cost and then uh, charge you on a, on a leased basis for using that solar, those solar panels over, over the life, 10, 15, 20 years. And what happens after those 10, 15, 20 years? The panels become yours um, and they continue to generate. Most solar panels have a guaranteed life of 25 years, but we see in reality they're lasting 30, 35, 40 years. There's no moving parts. It's a very stable substance, so there's a slight degradation year to year, but very small. After 25 years, they're guaranteed to still perform at 80% of the original. So it's a, it's a long-term uh, type of perspective. I 
And in these years, uh, what has been the trend the, in percentage, for example? How many more businesses and commercial entities have decided to invest in solar? When I look back over the last, last few years, 2015, people were just getting educated on the, on the idea. 2016, 17, we saw the early adopters, the people like, like Unilever who were, had a, a CSR mandate and were really motivated to do this for a broader, um, broader good rather than simply economic savings. Um, but today, uh, we see a, a large interest across the spectrum of people who are realizing they can save 30, 40, 50 percent on their on their energy costs by by making small changes. You know, maybe solar will save you 30 percent and then energy efficiency work would save you another 20 percent. So overall, if you consider that most commercial industrial businesses um, spend 20 percent, 15 to 20 percent of their overhead costs on energy, if, I, if you can reduce that, if you can cut that in half, that's a very significant impact on your bottom line. How can you convert this uh, reduction of uh, energy into CO2 emissions? As you're probably aware, um, the, every kilowatt hour produced in Dubai has a very heavy CO2 footprint, right? We produce almost all of our energy, actually all of our energy from carbon-based fuels. So by reducing a kilowatt hour here, we have a big impact. So since we've uh, since we've started, our projects have, have offset 2,700 tonnes of, of CO2. Um, that's equivalent to taking almost 600 cars off the road um, uh, at this point. And, uh, and to put it, that in perspective, uh, we have about 10% of our total portfolio operating. So by the end of this year, we'll actually have 10 x our portfolio of projects and therefore uh, 10x our, our, our impact, our positive impact. Yanador Energy hopes to build 300 megawatts of solar energy installations by the end of 2020. And in January 2019, they raised $65 million in Series A funding through global investors. Most of the funds are already uh, earmarked for projects that we have uh, under development. So, you know, people like, uh, like Nestle and uh, Al Nabuda here in Dubai, we're building solar projects for them right now. Uh, we've got several projects in Jordan, um, recently signed a deal with Carrefour. We'll be supplying 100% of their energy in, in Jordan. So that's, that's really exciting. Um, so that's, that's the immediate 2019. Um, but going beyond, we're, we're expanding throughout the region. So we're now uh, active in, in Egypt and Pakistan um, and looking, looking at the other GCC markets as well to, to provide services across, across the region here. When we look out um, five years from now, what we see is a, is a situation where um, the economy is continuing to grow, especially in these more developing countries like, like Egypt or Pakistan, and they can grow in a sustainable manner. So a new factory can be built where they don't necessarily need to have grid access or they don't need to have a carbon-based source of fuel as, as complementary technologies, uh, batteries, um, other energy efficiency improvements in, in heating and cooling uh, come into play. We expect to be able to, that, that our, in the very short term, the next five years, we'll be seeing um, many businesses that, that are able to operate just with the power they generate on site. And what kind of businesses are we talking about? So Unilever, of course, uh, but who else? Any line of business or there you can see a trend in specific industries or sectors? 
Well, you know what? I think it's interesting. One, the the um, consumer uh, fast moving consumer goods is a is a is one that's very interested, right? They they have uh, much more visibility to to consumers who are in many ways driving a trend to renewables. So if you're producing um, chocolate bars and want to uh, tell your customers that these are green chocolate bars, or or you're producing, you know. Textiles for for Walmart in the U.S., like like one of our customers in Jordan, classic fashion, um, they want to, they need to have uh, a green mandate. Uh, so that's that's one area which is which is certainly very hot. Uh, the the uh, fast moving consumer goods. Another area would be uh, would be logistics or where there's very thin margins. These businesses are very concerned about saving. Five, ten percent—it makes a big difference on their bottom line. So they're also extremely motivated to make a change. So I'd say that the the largest industries are are those uh, either motivated by by their consumers or motivated by by thin margins and wanting to wanting to improve. And do you see a push from the government uh, in the UAE or in the other countries where you operate? Do you see them starting thinking about subsidies? Uh, financing or making actually policies to make sure that everyone jumps on board. Well, that's a really interesting question. So, so every government takes a bit of a different view. Um, but I think the most important thing to to realize is it doesn't require subsidies today. Um, you, we can generate solar power for less than than grid power in most places. Worldwide grid power prices range normally between about twelve and fifteen dollar cents. In Dubai, it's twelve cents, um, and we're saving people thirty people thirty or forty percent off of that. So, without any subsidies, but um, governments and and I think it's exemplified in here in Dubai uh, by the great leadership here really are pushing for it. They want to encourage people to to adopt solar to to go green. Um, that's great for Dubai's image as we try to be a forward-thinking uh, country. Um, but uh, we're also, uh, we also see at a place like Jordan where they simply spend a huge percentage of their GDP on importing fuels. It it's, has a, huge a hugely positive impact on the, on the economics of a country. So that's what motivates Jordan, uh, Pakistan, Egypt are on similar situations. If they can reduce the amount of funds that are leaving the country to buy fuel, they're improving the country. Let's say I produce more energy than what I need. Is it true that I can connect back to the grid and, and give back this energy, for example, to Diwar here in Dubai? Yes, in, in Dubai you can, and that varies a little bit by regulations by, by region. But in Dubai, they have a net metering program. What that means is that if you have excess power, you can feed it in and you can get a credit, a one-to-one -one credit, and then you can use that power again at nighttime when the sun's not shining or another time of year when you, when you need it. In, in essence, we think about the meter going forwards and going backwards. You generate a lot during the daytime and you generate uh, hopefully all you need plus more. You save that and then you can consume it back at, at nighttime. So the good news is that if we decide to use your infrastructure, we don't need to put up front basically all the investment in buying those um, solar panels. The only thing we'll have to do from day one is just to pay per meter 
the consumption of the energy. You, you pay for having the equipment there, which is based on a performance lease. So the kilowatt hours that are generated are, are, are your obligation. Now, we also need you to, to commit to doing that for a long period of time because it is, does take several years to pay off the system. So that's, we are looking for businesses that have, um, are expecting to be operating in the Dubai for, for a long period of time, of course. How do you get that commitment? Because it's a long time. Um, what is protecting you? It's a huge investment done by you, um, but also it's very risky. The, the credit risk for every contract we enter into is something we uh, obviously um, weigh carefully. Uh, so we have our own internal credit team that, that analyzes uh, each potential customer to make sure that, that we're confident that they're going to be able to uh, pay their bills for, for a long period of time. And at the end of the day, you, we need to take a perspective on that. Um, the, uh, we, do, we are in many ways like, like a lender. However, we're, we're, it's smart money. We have our own in-house design engineering team that can analyze every installation that's happening. So unlike a, a conventional lender that just looks at, at the, the economics, we do look at the, the larger picture. And, uh, and we choose our, our customers carefully. Um, so not everyone would qualify. A, a brand new business um, wouldn't be able to, without some credit support, uh, qualify. So as a startup or a, a new business, there is an opportunity if there is some kind of um, guarantee. Yeah, frequently the parent company guarantees or, or other sorts of uh, facilities come into play. Would banks here be able to guarantee? Does that kind of green financing, would, could that support the new business? We're in discussions with most of the local banks to, to discuss uh, uh, financing for solar. Um, to date, we're not aware of, of any, anyone taking the first step, but uh, we're optimistic. I think uh, there's some very forward-looking uh, lenders here. Um, and we're hopeful that, uh, that they will um, adopt um, a solar uh, or green initiative. I know uh, a couple of people we're speaking with are, are motivated for the, having a green impact. In Jordan, where, where solar has been around for several more years, there, most of the banks are, are very amenable to it. And so I think it's just an education process here in Dubai. So as a building owner or an investment firm looking into solar energy, what would be the smaller size for the building um, that would become then rentable or, or would make business sense? So we generally focus on buildings that have, or properties that have at least 10,000 square meters. 10,000 square meters is approximately two football pitches. Now that can be the rooftop of a building, it can be the car park, it can be some free space around, but adding that together, that'll get you about a megawatt of, of solar, which is a, as a practical size. So, so we look for that or, or bigger. Um, we've done much bigger projects. Do you um, ever had smaller buildings um, who really insisted in having solar panels? And if yes, what was needed to be done apart from installing the solar panels? Sure, absolutely. We've got some fantastic customers who are on the smaller scale of that. And, and often, you know, as long as we can be efficient about the transaction, it, it makes a lot of sense for us. Um, 
we also, specifically with smaller business, but also with large ones, look for providing other value to the customers. Uh, that might be um, energy savings, you know, the, the ESCO type of model. So you have in your building um, a, a, a plethora of things that consume energy. Generally in Dubai, 70% would be a rule of thumb. It's consumed for cooling. Another 20% probably lighting. Another 10% for your computers and other auxiliary devices. So, so our, our primary targets are the, are the cooling and the, and the lighting. Uh, and if we can put in uh, measures to, to reduce their consumption, then we'll save you money without having to, to generate anything. So we're talking about retrofitting. And there's a lot of push in Dubai and Abu Dhabi because you still have a lot of older buildings that need retrofitting. So it's a very important part. And it's very complementary. And many would say that, that retrofitting um, is the first step you should take. Uh, I think uh, generally most people see solar as... I can say it's very sexy. It's it's very appealing. They want to they want to do that because it's more tangible. But but the the light bulbs and the and the cooling systems are are often as as beneficial to work on. So so we do both. We uh, we look to reduce a building's energy consumption as much as possible. How do you see the future of energy um, worldwide, but more specifically here in the region? I believe that the energy market for the Middle East and, and the world in general is going to evolve a lot in the next decade. Uh, I believe that for specifically for less dense energy consumption, places like, like Jafsa or, or Dubai Investment Parks, we're going to see um, an ability for those areas to generate most of their own needs from their rooftops. Um, and that's going to that's going to be an evolution of slight improvements on solar that we we see year over year. It's going to see it's going to be from a reduction in people's need for consumption of energy through through ESCO type of of work, um, and uh, and I think that's going to create um, a world where where energy can be taken for granted as something that's available to everybody, and uh, and I hope that that enables all of the more developing countries near us to, to expand, grow um, without, that, without energy being a barrier. Um, so I'm very optimistic about, about how that will impact the world, both in terms of, of the environmental footprint, but also the, the social footprint uh, of, of democratizing uh, energy for emerging markets. The way you talk, I can see um, how you imagine cities covered by solar panels. But what is going to happen in 20, 30, 40 years when those panels are not efficient anymore and we have new technologies that are going to replace those panels? What are we going to do with them? Are, are they easy to recycle? Can they be transformed? Or are they just going to create huge amounts of waste to landfill? Uh, that's a really good question. So electronic waste is something that we all uh, should be worried about, right? We, how many times uh, have you changed your mobile phone or your laptop? And, and uh, we all are conscious, I think, these days of how we dispose of that. Solar panels are, are no different, um, but they are quite large in volume if you consider the cities blanketed in them. Solar panels can be uh, can be uh, taken apart and can be recycled. 
Um, there's, uh, you know, basic things like the metal uh, around flashing around the side, which is easy to recycle. There's more hard, there's harder things like uh, removing the, the silicone uh, inside of them. Um, today in the European Union, there's a requirement for everyone who sells a solar panel to make a reserve for the recycling of that panel. Um, which is something which uh, we're, we very much support, and we hope that that will become uh, more ubiquitous in, in the world as as this industry grows. Um, so obviously, it's a it's a very competitive market, and costs are costs are critical. But uh, um, we are certainly looking for ways to to have that recycling facility available. We've identified um, how we can recycle all of our panels in Dubai and in Jordan right now. And it's part of our policy to ensure that's that's in place. Recently, been able to work together. We had uh, your team coming over and planting calf trees together. How do you see trees being planted to surround uh, your panel infrastructures? Is it really a solution to plant more trees and protect from sand and dust and all that? So on a couple of our installations, we've actually been required to plant trees. And, and yeah, we, we do see that as being a, uh, a positive from a sand perspective. We have to clean our panels at least monthly, sometimes more. And so if anything we can do to reduce the sand is fantastic. Of course, trees also can provide shade, so it's something we have to carefully plan. But uh, um, I hope that, uh, that we can find ways to do that like you are with the gaff tree in a in a very environmentally positive way, um, using more maybe more uh, saline water or, or other ways to to help grow trees in a environmentally uh, friendly manner. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. As always, you can find all our previous episodes and links to subscribe by visiting our website, goombook.com, and following us on social media. See you next week.